Hi, I'm Stan Lee, editor of the Marvel Comics Group of superhero comic magazines. Comic books have been a big business for the past 25 years, and they're bigger than ever today. With this in mind, you'll be interested to know that the Marvel Comics Group is the acknowledged leader in monthly sales of all comic magazines published today. As a matter of fact, our sales have tripled in the past three years, which is quite a publishing phenomenon. Our superheroes are the kind of people that you or I would be if we had a superpower, which sets them apart from all other superheroes published today and seems to be the reason that they're actually far more popular than any others. Now then, it would seem that the big problem is this. Can the enthusiasm for these comic magazines be successfully transferred to another media such as television? We most definitely feel that it can, and for this reason. For the first time that we know of, we're using the exact same stories and artwork that have made our comic magazines so incredibly successful, using the exact same stories and art for a television show. Garçon, coffee! Welcome to the Coffee and Death Six podcast. My name is Kevin Romani. And I am Danny Marchant. As there is a current Marvel movie in theaters, we will not be reviewing that one, naturally. This whole fatherhood and home ownership thing is just continuing to derail our movie-going frequency. Danny has seen Guardians. I have not, but we are going to get to that one very soon. But in the interim... Two other Marvel releases happened within the past six months, and we didn't talk about either of them on the show. So we're going to do a little Marvel catch-up that we've been talking about for a while. This will be on Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. We had a little inverse here where Danny did see Ant-Man and the Wasp in a theater, and I just saw it on Disney+. Plus. I had seen Black Panther, Wakanda Forever in a theater Danny, where did you see Black Panther Wakanda Forever? Well, folks, I was in the loony bin, and um, <laughs> which is the term I prefer. I was hospitalized <laughs> for a uh, major depressive episode, and we had access to a television, and most times it was just Law & Order SVU all day long, which I think is one of the most ill-advised programs to play on a psych ward for people recovering from all kinds of things. Talk about uh, trigger warnings. That show is nothing but things that trigger It is the most... <laughs> parenthetically, SVU is the most disgusting show I'm aware of. <laughs> like, I turn into a Puritan when I think of that show. Anyways, one night, everyone wanted to watch a movie, and we had access to Disney+, Plus, which everyone kept calling Hulu, and mm. they wanted to watch... The first Black Panther, and instead, the staff, thinking they were putting on the first Black Panther, put on the new Black Panther. And I was sitting there in the corner in my, uh, <laughs> in my hospital clothes, and I just thought, all right, I, I, I'm watching Black Panther, Wakanda forever, here we go. I had previously been made to watch the Super Bowl, and I was watching Black Panther, Wakanda forever. So that's where I saw it. I saw it on a psych ward. Apologies out there for anyone who this brings up any unpleasant memories, but it's certainly a unique memory for me <laughs> watching a Marvel movie in a hospital. Very surreal experience. Just as Ryan Coogler Just you know, designed as... it. That's how he intended for everyone to see the film. I can only assume that it's what Chadwick Boseman hoped people would, <laughs> would see the movie of. That it would just be... <laughs> It would just be a depressed white man sitting in the hospital <laughs> watching a movie about his legacy. So that's how I saw Black Panther were kind of forever. See, if you told me that was where you ended up after seeing Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yes. Would have made a little bit more sense. I, but, well, we are so happy to have you back with us, Danny, and not having to watch the Super Bowl and major Marvel tentpole releases. Yes. Yeah. So, that aside, how was 
your what did you think of the film despite the circumstances so it was not a movie i was going to see really i wasn't going to really seek it out i wasn't that excited mm. specifically because my thought was yeah but black panther died like i don't want to see it without black panther like i really liked chadwick boseman's performances that as um t'challa mm-hmm. is that right mm-hmm. yeah t'challa i thought he was good similar to like chris hemsworth in the first thor movie like that's kind of like a hard tone to kind of get right where you're like a very serious regal character but also it's just he just did a very good job mm-hmm. i liked him and he he's the best part of civil war i liked the first black panther i thought it was a good movie but the second one's coming out i'm like yeah but he's not in it so i'm just i'm just not i'm just not interested but as i mentioned i didn't have a choice in the matter <laughs> so <laughs> i watched it and i have to say i was I liked it. It was okay. It was fine. And I use fine to mean like fine isn't a bad word to me, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. both as like a emotional state or a quality of a thing. It was fine. His presence was felt through the whole movie. I remember thinking this is an interesting plot, but I don't want to, you know, mock the actor that plays Shuri, but she just doesn't have the same I, I just couldn't invest in her as much as I invested in in him. And granted, he had like a whole movie. He had like a whole dress rehearsal movie before he got to his own movie. But it's a no-brainer that she takes on the role of Black Panther. That makes total sense. I think that's even true to the comics. But leaving that aside, like I thought it was like a solid sequel. It just felt like, it kind of felt like the next one. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they lost their main actor. Yeah, it was a kind of a no-win scenario of what do you do with this property, which the first movie was so successful, and Wakanda has become such a centerpiece in the MCU that you can't not make more Black Panther stories. We've made this comparison a lot on the podcast where we say the Marvel Cinematic Universe is almost like a sprawling television series, like an anthology series or or like a Game of Thrones where you spend one episode with one series of characters and then the next with the other. Because of all this connective tissue, it kind of has that TV show feel in how there's like one overlord producer who's kind of like a showrunner yeah. hiring different directors to come in and make their own thing. So it's it's like a big expensive TV series. And this movie made me think of that a lot as I was watching it. Because I thought a lot of this is what happens when the star leaves the show or the star passes away. And it was something like even John Ritter died and he was on that ABC sitcom. Yes. Ten eight, rules. Eight, eight rule, rules for dating my teenage daughter. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Was the biggest hit of Kaylee Kuko's career. <laughs> you know, it's it had that feeling of like, okay, we, we're no longer Charlie Sheen has left. Steve Carell has left. Now we're moving on. Topher Grace is gone when he left that 70s show. No one liked that last season. <laughs> I've not watched the program. I didn't know he left it in his final season. I don't think I like the tone of that laugh, Kevin. I. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wow. program. That was, you just got defensive. Like when I got defensive of you being like your stupid 24 show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that 70s show is my 24. I think I was surprised to hear show. that you watched that 70s show. I'm, I'm very intrigued. We will have to have a separate conversation about this. I'm a big but... fan. Okay. I'm a big fan. Yeah. I guess that was right in our like wheelhouse when that was yes. airing. So, yes. Absolutely. That's what this felt like. Our lead actor left unexpectedly over a contract dispute. Unfortunately, it was something much more serious in this case. Mm-hmm. And that's where it really succeeded. And like, I can't think of any better way. Oh. I know it's all about money at the end of the day. This movie was made to make money, but it very graciously figured out a way to make a movie and a plot built around the actual, the death of this character. Yeah. It was very tastefully done as much as you can do. Yes. And I remember I watched the first one before seeing this, which I don't always have the time to do whenever we see these Marvel movies, but that one in particular, when the first one came out, I liked it. I saw it. It's opening weekend. I thought it was a really good movie. I have never been critical of the 
extra praise it gets for its importance, which I normally like mock that sort of conversation. Mm -hmm. But with this sort of thing, it's like, this is a no brainer. You have a person of color leading this movie. You have essentially all but like two major characters are people of color. But most importantly, I thought it was directed by a black filmmaker and we don't have many of those. So Marvel was conscious to hire all African-American people to make this movie. And again, I know cynically that there was financial reasons that they did this, but I felt it was genuine. We're going to do this story right, and let's give opportunities to some who don't always get it. So yes. I've never faulted that. I actually don't think that is overpraised when I normally mock that sort of thing. Right. All of that said, the movie is just okay, yes. and I stand by that feeling. <laughs> well, yeah, like you said, the like African diaspora is like reflected on screen and off screen, like yes. behind the scenes and on the screen. I think it's about the world building of that movie is what people responded to very strongly. Wakanda just seemed like, yes, to quote Liz Lemon, I want to go to there. <laughs> it just seemed like an interesting new world. They avoided any like tone deafness that maybe, I mean, the, the comics weren't that bad, but like, like a lot of things from like the seventies, like it was white guys writing about black culture. And so it didn't always land. Right. <laughs> it, didn't quite, it didn't quite always work. It was like, hey, this is great. But at the same time, like, maybe hire some black writers who maybe understand of what they're speaking. But yeah, best picture. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and to me, I like the movie a lot. And then it gets to that third act. And it gets to those, everyone makes fun of it. And I don't want to, mm -hmm. these visual effects artists are treated like horribly, but like those CGI rhinos, like, it's like, I'm watching that. And I'm like, this, this got nominated for like, uh. and I'm sure people were thinking the exact same thing when they saw the dark Knight. they were like, this is just a Batman movie. This isn't best picture. I don't know what to say about that, but I personally watch a movie like the dark Knight, And I think, yeah, I get why that's a best picture or should have been a best picture nominee. I watch black Panther and I'm like, good movie like really good superhero movie like one of the definitely a top tier marvel like i think it's a one of the better marvel movies but i still don't think it like completely breaks free of all the restrictions that go on with the mcu like none of them are great and i did this one doesn't like but again you know what do i know but i definitely agree with you that it's not like the praise it got for like the behind the scenes stuff is so justified mm -hmm. and then the pray like as an actual film it's like okay it's it's okay but it's not like that's not like that good yeah and i thought it was funny that it was best picture nominee in the same year that like the black filmmaker spike lee has his best movie in years mm -hmm. and that's competing for best picture it's like that was a lot better i like that movie a lot more than i like this movie yes so it's not a oh it's just getting nominated for this reason thing i just didn't think it was that worthy of a film the black panther thing was like the least pandering least condescending version of what hollywood does all the time now which is co-ops actual stuff and says and that's why you need to see our movie yeah <laughs> yeah I, right right because cynical mm -hmm. black panther and wonder woman are both the same quality of film to me mm -hmm. like to me it's they're, they're both like solid bees like they're good they're fine they're solid Nice, dependable superhero movies. But in both cases, it was like, there has never been a woman in a movie before Wonder Woman. And it's like, that's so annoying. <laughs> like, <laughs> leaving aside genre movies, it just, it just goes to show it's like, you know, there are a lot of movies out there, folks. Just maybe watch something other than a superhero movie and you'll get, yeah. you'll get these stories. These stories are, are being told and they're just not being told on this scale. Right. There's something to be said for Best Picture consideration to have cultural impact yeah. as part of the consideration. But that's why I feel like The Dark Knight should have been a Best Picture nominee because it was such a cultural phenomenon and it did so well financially. And it was also such a technically sound from top to bottom movie that it's like that to me was a Best Picture nominee worthy movie and maybe the only in the quote-unquote superhero genre we've had so far. This one was like, 
hey, the score is excellent. Yes. We talk about Ludwig, what did you call him? Ludwig von Gorenson? Or I called him that. You called him Ludwig, Ludwig von Gorenson, yes. Ludwig von Gorenson. Excellent, excellent score. costume design is wonderful i don't know if you know that the costume designer of that of those both these films she won an oscar for both she's from springfield mass oh really well see oscar for costume design that makes total sense like yeah yeah those were well deserved but the the look of both these movies is is really good to me like forget the best picture oscar where's michael b jordan's best supporting actor oscar (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) yeah yeah, he's the best part of the movie from a yes. performance perspective. You're right that Chadwick Boseman anchors the film and does a very good job. But Michael B. Jordan, his performance is excellent and one of the best written yeah. characters, best written villains in the MCU. Great backstory and motivation. And like wants to take over Wakanda. That ends up getting kind of schlocky, take over the yes. world type thing by the end. But when it's just... I believe I'm the rightful heir and I'm going to kick this guy's ass to get it. It was like, mm, that's pretty cool. And I'm like, maybe on this guy's side well, that's until it thing. goes too far. And see, that's the thing. It's still at the end of the day, it is still a Marvel. It's an MCU film. It has these, this new vision, this new world, you know, a new group of people is making it and is both on screen and off screen. But like so many of mainstream action cinema, it's about an awesome guy with a cool plan And then it gets ruined and then they just, you know, build charter schools. (laughs) It's just like, it would have been so much more interesting if they had kind of given him more of a, I don't know, because he's right until, like you said, he's right until he very suddenly is wrong. Like his whole thing is like, (laughs) we've used it before. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. Am I wrong? You're not wrong, Walter. You're just an asshole. Okay, then. (laughs) it's just like the movie doesn't really give him it's just michael b jordan's performance is just so charismatic that people were like damn like (laughs) i agree with him and then it just ends with this black panther is going to build a school in the projects and it's like this is liberal horseshit (laughs) so you wonder if that was the one studio no but ultimately that was ryan coogler's decision hey because then you start getting into the the problem with the Wakanda of it all, like you said, the why people responded to that idea so well, obviously is this, what a wonderful idea that there is a secluded hyper technological city within Africa that is going to right all the wrongs that has been done to the African people over the centuries. But then when you, if you bring that into the real world, then it gets to a point of like, but that's not what we have. So what do we now do with this? That's sort of the problem. You find yourself rooting for a character who is like, well, hey, outside of this bubble, a lot of a lot of shit is going down. Right. And that worked so well for the story. Where have you guys been? It's great that I like the idea of a country that basically escaped colonialism. And because of that, it's where a lot of countries would be. <laughs> However, right, right. Killmonger has a point. And I get that's the point of the ending, but... I would have liked to have seen like a, I don't know, like a big, I don't know. It's just the fact that the ending is he just goes to the neighborhood where Killmonger's father was killed and is like, we're going to build a center for youth. And it's like, oh, come on. That's not what he was talking about. <laughs> yeah. But that's what I mean. It's like, how do you end your movie? Do they just say, I know, oh, we're going to, here's all of our billions of dollars and technology. And let's actually talk about this new movie. <laughs> here's a good transition. Yes. Cause that's what yes. this one did pretty well is they continued that storyline and now it's the bureaucracy of okay so this yeah 
hidden little city slash country country they're a country i guess right yeah it's like a city it's like a city city state state. yeah it's like an athens type they've just kind of announced themselves to the world here well you know they've always existed but they cloaked what they really were yes so they've now all of a sudden revealed themselves and what is the reality of that in the world what are the implications with a united nations type thing And, and that's what this gets into which was neat yes i liked that stuff and like i said everything they did to resolve you know spoiler alert now uh six months but resolve (laughs) the death of chadwick boseman's t'challa black panther and the rise of sheree's black panther was well done the submariner is the villain of this film they never say the submariner danny i know that it's not the submariner (laughs) it's it's namor namor cowards the villains here (laughs) similarly really smart for your screenplay you take a culture who's kind of similar they're like this hidden Mm -hmm. underrepresented historically central american culture that is also flourishing that also have these unnatural abilities due to unobtainium i was talking to someone about vibranium versus i had to explain the rights (laughs) issue of the the wolverine to someone the other day i don't but anyway so that was a good antagonist but there was also there's something about when a movie when the antagonist is like kind of a like an anti-hero type thing it's like it kind of loses the stakes for me well it doesn't work because then you just want the movie to be about that guy yeah and in the case of the first one again i'm not trying to shit on I can't remember her name, but the, the actress who plays uh, Cherie. I looked it up a second ago, and I felt stupid for not... Letitia Wright. Oh, right. Oh, right. Letitia Wright. Yeah, Letitia Wright. She's, like, a good... But, like, Cherie's, like, a... She's a supporting character. Like, she has the funny quips while she's operating on Vision in Infinity War. She's got the cool little power gloves. Black Panther, it's like, yeah, you want the movie to be about Killmonger, but then you also like it when it's about T'Challa, because he's... It's such a good performance this one i'm like i would have just liked a movie about namor the boy without love yeah i would have watched a whole movie i mean he is his own character in the he's of course very different they reconceived him and i think for the better i don't know if the comics did that before this movie did but i feel like them i've only ever seen him as the uh, sort of leonard nimoy looking kind of weird skeevy mermaid guy they made him a much more interesting character for the most part yeah and i thought his performance was great but again it felt like Mm -hmm. sort of a diminished return of the first Mm -hmm. movie it's like an interesting villain but not as interesting as killmonger a fun lead but not as charismatic as chadwick boseman but i did like this is like the one part of the mcu's like obsession with like the real world like the political side like the whole winter soldier civil war like i don't like I really am not into that. I like, I've I've said it many times before, I like the cosmic nonsense of Guardians, Thor, Doctor Strange. But the Wakanda stuff is interesting because of all the sort of like historical factors that are at play and interacting with each other. And that Wakanda, there's a lot, was it in the, what was that show called? Oh, oh my gosh. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It was called the Falcon. What was the show about the show called? I thought you were talking about. Yes. Not an MCU show. That's really funny. Okay. (laughs) No, no. There's that scene where they meet, where Kurt Russell's son meets the Dora Milaje in Paris or something like that. I don't remember that show at all. I just remember there was this. I don't think I watched the show. We did. We did. I don't know. We didn't. I know. I'm just kidding. I know. I did. <laughs> we did But I don't remember what the hell you're talking about. Is this There's... Julie Louis Dreyfus's character? Is that like that thing? Her? No, it's the guy that works for her. U.S. agent or whatever. Walker. It's the Wyatt Russell. Yeah. Yeah. I can. He yeah. 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 I can picture him. Yeah. He's talking to one of the the warriors, and she says a line like, "Our jurisdiction is wherever we are." I, as a representative of my country, oh, wherever I go, yeah, 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 is Wakanda, so I can do whatever I want because wherever I am is Wakandan sovereign territory. And he gets all harumphy, and I like that because it's like he's mad at her for doing what for, he's like. He's like, "Hey, that's America's job." <laughs> like, like I just like it's interesting. It's like an interesting concept that's actually like worth exploring. They never explore it really, but it's like an interesting. 
Yeah. I think it's like a neat little twist. You know, they're this kind of monarchical society that has ritual combat <laughs> and hyper technology. Well, Wakanda kind of has the, uh, what does yeah. Mike say? The Klingon paradox, right? They kind of have that yes. where that was something else that stuck out to me in the first movie where they're this highly advanced society, but then they're like, you decide who rules based on who wins in a fight. A guy yeah. can just show up and say, I challenge and yeah. can end the dynasty. <laughs> yeah. It seems a little anachronistic. They kind of clash with each yes. other. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And but two, it is interesting. But the scenes in that waterfall are always like fun scenes. It's a cool it's little fun. setting. I don't know if that's a, if they found a real waterfall, they might, it looks real. These movies, I will say do look a lot better than a lot of the other Marvel movies. However, the underwater scenes in this one were very, were very unattractive compared to the yeah. compared to the the beauty of Aquaman. Um, <laughs> no, the beauty of the theatrical Justice League scenes with Oof. yeah, yeah, that was rough. Yeah, yeah. but no, it's like there was lots of that, lots of just like, can't they just make the like? We're dealing with an underwater people. Like this does not need to look this bad yeah not that it didn't look bad it like it looked good it just looked visually it was ugly it was just very like muddled and uninteresting these two have overall a better look minus the set pieces because like we always say the set pieces are all pre-visualization and all these special effects teams but when they're just the more standard traditional dialogue scenes or establishing shots or whatever, they have more of a vision because they have a real filmmaker making these two movies. Yes. This would be a great transition to go into Ant-Man, but I will not do it yet. I wish I could have done it right there. Damn it. Maybe we'll find another one, but I did want to also go back to your point about Sheree. And it's like, I know you're not saying this. I'm not saying it either. It's not that a woman can't be black Panther. It's that that character, to me, did not make sense other than the familial connection. Like you said, she was the quippy lab rat sidekick who was a lot of fun. And to have that character then turn into the dramatic hero titular lead was like, that just doesn't feel right. And to have her share scenes with like Okoye. Yeah. Yeah, who like who she? It's like if she took the mantle, exactly. And I, I like that character a lot. Yeah, <laughs> and going back to my TV comparison, this also felt a lot like the CW DC TV shows, which are just wonderful television that I highly recommend to everybody. But those had this bad habit of by season five of Arrow, when they did twenty two, twenty three episode seasons. And they were running out of ideas. Essentially, any character who had been on the show for a cup of coffee is putting a mask on and fighting crime. And it was just getting, it was losing any sense of spectacle and that it was like anybody can just be a superhero. And that's what this was kind of reminding me of, of like, oh, so she's his sister. And now she's all of a sudden the Black Panther. It's like, eh, I don't know if she, she just doesn't feel like the right character for that. Like you said, if Danai Guerrero's character became Black Panther, yeah, she's a. And it's not just a warrior either. It's just I think it's just the overall persona of Cherie. Yes, is just not now shifting into a dramatic lead role of. Yeah, she just doesn't have that it for that. I don't think. And she has not. Yeah, it's nothing against her. Again, she did well, but no. yeah, I, when the superheroes start getting into like just the slightly different versions of themselves and other characters taking up the mantle. It's like, just stop making it. But this one was different. That's why it kind of gets a pass. Of course they had no choice in the matter. And she was good. Like I, that's a fun character. It's not a lead character. You know, maybe if she took her COVID vaccine, she would have done a better job, but uh, she, she refused. (laughs) Well, that's a separate conversation. That's what I thought about actually a lot. The, the, even though I just pretended like I never watched the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I thought that would have been an interesting little subplot with like basically they were doing Tuskegee type things. It's like, what if they made that about the yeah. COVID vaccine? But then I also complained recently about Glass Onion. Yeah. I don't want to see COVID in shows anymore. Stop it. Let's. It depends on how you handle depends it. Depends on what this content is. Yeah, exactly. For instance, when Curb Your Enthusiasm has Albert Brooks <laughs> turn out to be a COVID hoarder, 
I welcome having COVID be a topic in certain programs. And it works better on comedy stuff than it does yes. on superhero literature for children. <laughs> That's nominally for children. Yeah. Yeah, so I think, you know, I felt the same way. I liked the movie. I was glad I saw it in a theater. Ludwig von Gorenson is back, though at what cost? Because how hard he worked on this and on Oppenheimer resulted in us not getting him in season three of Mando, which we recently complained about. But I think we talked a little bit about it at some point that he went to Central American locations that had more like Aztec or... Uh, yeah, I think it was Aztec, whatever. Aztec, yeah, yeah what, that's, the, yeah. that's the, the, the sort of the big culture that there's like the Aztec, the Inca, and the Maya. Aztec is the big, is a huge influence. Yeah. On these characters, particularly on the look of the Submariners people. What did they call it? What were they called again? I don't oh, know. No, it's been too long. I don't. We're just going to call them the Submariners. I don't, I don't remember. They're not the Atlanteans. I'm not going to try and butcher a, a name, but it's something with a T, I want to say. Tenochtitlan, right? Wasn't that what Mexico City? It, was, it, kinda, it was kind of like it that. It sort of sounded like yeah. Tenochtitlan, yeah, but I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, I would have watched a whole movie about them. I would have noticed neither of us have talked about Ironheart. <laughs> yep. There's a lot of things I would have liked to have seen that weren't in this one, but they did a, like you said, they did a really good, they did a very tasteful job of acknowledging that this huge figure in the mcu had died and i don't think they were able to plan for it because he was super private about it but yeah it just wasn't as whatever spark the first one had this one didn't quite have however this is a movie that i would probably watch again on like a lazy afternoon you know oh i'll watch that one again there's some scenes i liked about that one which is not something i can say for our second feature (laughs) How dare you? How dare you come up with a better transition than me when I already had a really good one and I and I couldn't move on. Ah, oh, all right. Yes. <laughs> I agree. I think sometimes we're too kind on the Marvel movies. We've talked about this off air a lot where I know Black Widow in particular and probably the Immortals. We were very kind on how we responded to those movies because Generally speaking, these movies are all pretty good. Yeah. They're rarely horrible. They're rarely exceptional. Mm-hmm. They're very good popcorn movies. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. I did not hate the movie. I did not hate it. I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. It doesn't, like, affect me because it's not a franchise, especially within the Marvel universe that I'm particularly that big of a fan of. But this is one of the most misguided, if not the most misguided Marvel Cinematic Universe, I would say, movie to date. It's so against what the other two were doing, and it's the worst type of movie to be the stepping stone for your next massive phase and next big bad of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that I just don't know what the thought process was with this film. Yeah, this was a big piece of shite. <laughs> uh, this is hubris, is what this is. This is, <laughs> this is what happens when you think, yeah, why not introduce our next... Yeah. Let's introduce the next Thanos in the Ant-Man movie. That'll show the naysayers. Well, you sure showed us. And we can't wait to see more of Kane, who I'm sure will be appearing in other movies. <laughs> yeah, this is this is hubris. This is Excellent. How excellent call on hubris. How, yeah, that is exactly what this is. How dare you think that this is sufficient? <laughs> <laughs> and like you said, I don't hate this movie or anything like that i'm not invested in the mcu and i'm certainly not invested in ant-man just as a movie it was terrible it was was really bad like if i had seen this in a theater on its own i would have thought like that was awful it was like the green lantern like it just wasn't good it was stupid it was stupid and it was ugly it was really very talk about how ugly the mcu movies are but wow was this one like particularly unappealing (laughs) and it's like 
they're going to this magical realm and they make easily their ugliest, most visually unappealing movie they've ever made. So that was the transition I almost made earlier with Ryan Coogler having a vision and Peyton Reed. I know nothing about him, probably a nice guy, but he made very standard studio pictures throughout his career. And if you're unfamiliar with the saga, one of the first Marvel drama behind the scenes things ever, basically a prelude to what happened with what's happened with all these Star Wars movies. Edgar Wright was hired to make the first Ant-Man and Edgar Wright, very good filmmaker. A lot of his movies have a more comedic tone. My inkling is that this movie was going to be very comical. I think like grosser like body horror type stuff maybe like ant-man stuff going wrong were some of the ideas that the studio just rejected and it got to a certain point where he said okay you hired me to make a movie and you're not letting me make my movie so i am leaving which has happened a lot especially with star wars like like i was saying but occasionally this issue comes up with the marvel movies but they hire lesser names to just make the movies in their image. And that's why you and I last year probably overpraised Doctor Strange. I almost said Doctor Strange love. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness because we were so pleased that not only was Sam Raimi hired, but he was hired genuinely. He was hired and allowed to make his own movie. And yes, he had some Marvel constraints, but the visual nature of a Sam Raimi film was ever present in that film. Yeah. I loved it way more than I probably should have for just that reason alone. I watched it again and I still kind of love it. It's like, my, it's like in my top five of Marvel movies. Like, <laughs> I, okay. I don't know if I go that, but I topped half for sure for me. I, I just love that. It's a movie. If you want to talk about a Marvel movie, we over praise. I think that's probably love and thunder. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think we like Taika so much that we were just we just like Taika that we were unable to sure yeah it's incredible just how wrong it is everything is so <laughs> the charm of the first two movies so they hire Peyton Reed and yeah he comes in and just makes a movie he knows how to work with actors and and get the shots that the previs team needs and Ant Man's kind of a joke but it's like the right blend of. There's humor, but it doesn't go overboard, even though you might have that temptation with both having Paul Rudd as your lead and it being such a ridiculous concept, Ant-Man. But Ant-Man has kind of become the butt of the jokes in the Avengers movies. But that aside, the first two movies have a lot of just legitimate humor in them. And they're heist movies. That's, I think, what's most missing in this is that there are heist elements and you have the fun team with Michael Pena and um, is T.I. T.I. is in these pictures, right? T.I. is in at least the first one. Sure. I'm making that. I think he is. I think he is. I'm making this up, I, if not. but David it, Dalmatian? Yeah, David Dalmatian, who's now in like every... He was in this. He was a voice actor in this for one of the goos. One of the goos. I believe I saw his name... You have these fun characters, and they use San Francisco well, and you know usually have a lot of fun exterior shots and see what's going on in San Francisco. So naturally, the best parts of these movies were the two montages that were at the that capped the movie because that had more of the lighthearted nature, and the stakes never really got too ridiculously high because it's Ant Man. Yeah. But then in this movie, you have this, like you said, this magical realm. Quantumania, we've heard a lot about it through these movies and we've seen little little spurts of it. And there's just like no creativity to the production design and to the look. It's just like a phone-in job. They fucked up Modoc. <laughs> they, yeah. they made Modoc look boring. One of the Is Modoc are you familiar with Modoc yeah. before? That, he's one of the first oh. like Marvel characters I was aware of as like a little kid, because he's like He's a big head in a thing and he's weird looking and he's got a weird haircut. And it's like, oh, that's an interesting looking thing. When I think of like Marvel, classic Marvel comics, like Modoc is one of the things that's in my head of like the classic 70s, 80s comics. And when he shows up in this one, he's got a cool mask. And I'm like, that's a cool way to do Modoc. And then the mask comes off and it's, <laughs> it's. Corey Stoll. And. He should have been the villain of this movie. Like the third Ant-Man movie should have been about 
what's his character about, about now he has to fight the villain from the first movie again, but now he's Modok, the little robot emperor of the quantum realm. I have no idea why Kane was in this movie. Like I just genuinely, I mean, I, I of course understand why Kane was in this movie, but as like for the integrity of this movie, it's like, why'd you put Kane in this? Like, why is this where we're putting him in? Why is this his first movie? Like, yeah, he could have shown up anywhere, like save him for the fantastic four movie, put him in, I don't know, put him in Thor four, put him, but, ant-man and ant-man and the wasp like who gives a shit yeah hubris Hubris. danny you nailed it it's hubris yeah let's beef up our ant-man movie and this is how we'll do it because those but you know it's i've probably said some version of i'm back and forth on how i feel about this but the ant-man and the wasp 2018 came out like two months after infinity war yeah and a big part of me is like oh my god like what a anticlimactic letdown like we're doing we're doing the ant-man sequel after what just happened in infinity war but especially now having seen this movie it's like that was actually a welcome uh like just to fill in the cracks of like okay i got a nice little marvel fill that was like a nice break from this massive i found actually emotional experience of infinity war now we're just doing our fun little heist ant-man action slash comedy movie like fine I like Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp pretty well. I think I like them more than most people view those movies because I mm-hmm. I recognize them for what they are. I, actually, they've both came out in a Avengers summer because the other one was Age of Ultron. So they both came out after an Avengers movie. Yeah. So there's a little like ah oh, that that was like good popcorn experience. Moving on now, we'll get bigger mm-hmm. Avengers level threats later. But then. Instead of having an Ant-Man movie follow the big Avengers villain-laden movie, now they're smashing them together and they just don't, the tones just do not work. And you just mentioned MODOK, your two villains. MODOK is this, like, wacky... I, I don't remember Corey Stoll being like that in the first movie either. I don't remember him being, like, wacky. No, he's like what Corey Stoll is always like. He's a big, bald, ball-breaking prick. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So that's his character in that. And this one, he's this like attempt at comedic relief and goofball. And you contrast that with him being like the henchman to this ultra serious, too serious Thanos level villain. We can get into this later, but too serious. Too serious. Yeah, Modok in the comics. I think the joke is he's not a funny character. It's just it's just funny that he's named Modok. Like that's the joke. He's played straight. Yeah. But because he's played straight, it's kind of funny because he is basically just a big head in a robot machine. And he's, you know, he's a massive, he's a, a mobile, mobile, or sometimes it's mobile, sometimes it's mechanized organism designed only for killing. That's what we should call this episode, by the way. Mode up. Massive organism designed only for profit. Um, <laughs> Marvel organization. Designed only for profit. Designed only for profit. That's our, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Pat Oswalt did a show on Hulu called Modoc about Modoc and his family. And the joke in Modoc was like kind of more of like a wacky, a wacky character. They asked Pat Oswalt, Hey, you're, you've been in agents of shield. You're a big, you're a big fat nerd. Come do a show for us. And he was like, I want to do Modoc. <laughs> I want to make it like a sitcom. Oh, it's a fun show. It's like, you know, it's I didn't not, even know that existed. Yeah. It's not great. It's like one of those things that you just put on Hulu's so that Hulu has its buffet filled. Oh. So this movie just stole that. And that's the thing this movie does a lot. It just went on the internet, saw what the kids were memeing about and then put it in their movie. It's like, Hey, they love that. Oh my God. He admitted guy, put him in the movie. That'll get laughs from the kids. There were times in this movie where all I could think of was the Steve Buscemi meme from Third Rock. How do you do, fellow kids? It's just like, <laughs> oh, this is embarrassing. This is so embarrassing. So you have that tone with the most intense, serious. <laughs> I'm so evil. And it's like, very good. What is this? Like, <laughs> whose idea was this? And. He is how I feared Thanos was going to be. Yes. Leading up to Infinity War, I'm thinking, 
how is Thanos going to be a compelling villain? Because he's just going to be some monologuing <laughs> big purple space alien who's all powerful and wants to control the world. And then that's not what it was, which is like, to me, the... He was monologuing and he was purple. But other than that... He was monologuing and he was purple, but his monologues were good. They were interesting. He had an angle. He had a plan. He had motivation. Yeah. And Kang the Conqueror... So speaking of just forgetting everything that we watch in like 30 seconds loki i barely remember loki i just remember we liked loki a lot and i remember he was introduced in loki and i yeah. found him to be playful my memory was that he yes. was kind of like fucking with loki he was a goofball he was a goofball and his performance was fun and then it was like what is he gonna be and he's this like there's all these different versions of himself like that's kind of interesting and then in this movie he is just villain yep he is so one note it's comical yes he's paired up with michelle pfeiffer for a lot of the and it's like what is this there's no real development other than they're both stranded so they kind of trust each other i think it's trying to have some sort of message about loss and who you end up with i don't know it's like in an ant-man sequel in the third ant-man movie they're like this is going to be about losing people it's like no it better not be it should just be about ant-man fighting modok like that's what it should be about yeah and there should be a heist yes. and not you were a very good thief on earth so we're going to have you sneak into this big power entity that you end up having that was not a heist sequence Easy. that was like we're just going to mention that you were a thief because you were in the other two movies but there's no yes heist component that's what these movies should be the centerpiece of an ant-man movie should be a heist it's the thing the movie has it's why they made it about scott instead of the original one hank pym it's like let's make it about the thief because a thief would want that's useful technology for a thief to be able to shrink down and the fact that he's ant-man is like incidental in this movie they're all just wearing ugly jumpsuits and it's like what's the point of them being the wasp or ant-man or like mm -hmm. who cares about any of this and then with modok they force this weird like redemption arc for him that they then make fun of the whole time danny don't be a dick yeah don't be a dick you think this is over come on let's go darren stop trying to be whatever this is i don't know what to be tell me what to be i don't know just don't be a dick it's too late look at me i'm such a dick it's never too late to stop being a dick and they just make fun of it and like there's this scene of him this, this big ugly head in this robot body just like coughing blood as he's like, at least I'm an Avenger and Ant-Man and the Wasp are like, yeah, you're, you're an Avenger. And they're like winking at the audience, like this guy, I thought it's not supposed to be a dick. Like what is happening in this film? Yeah. It's telling that even Marvel fans who basically love everything they do, they saw this movie and they were, they just were like, mm, Nope, <laughs> not for me. They were promised a big event and they got this instead. Yeah. To me, this is where it, of course we were going to get it. I'm surprised it took this long to get a movie like this that both regular people and Marvel diehards can agree is just not very good. Like, I'm surprised it took this long. Like, that's kind of impressive that they were able to turn out quality cheeseburgers for, like, a solid decade. And this is their first, like, I'm not eating that. That's disgusting. <laughs> 15 years. Yeah. 15 years. No, that's a decade impressive. and a half. It is impressive. Yeah, this is, they've run out of ideas. They got really lazy. Yes. The screenplay was not creative and not true to the previous two entries. Zero character with Hope in particular. This movie's still called Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah. And Hope is like not even in this movie. She's barely involved. And when she is, there's no arc at all she's just there she's like you said to have the ugly suit on and come in and save the day periodically yep. you have michael douglas who is getting older looking noticeably older now which was hurting me yes he does nothing in this movie he was pretty involved in the especially the first one and he's pointless yeah. and michelle pfeiffer just these just platitudes of well i had to protect you Protect them from what? So she she was in this quantum realm for so long and doesn't explain to anybody that there's 
a Thanos living in the quantum realm. Like, wouldn't you think that would be useful information? And she doesn't like right under her nose, her basically granddaughter, her step granddaughter, whatever it is, is building a portal device or some sort of (laughs) communication device to speak to the realm where there is a Thanos character that you are like, we should never let this Thanos character out of and you don't know about it. and But then even when you're there, it's still, I can't tell you about my time here because I had to protect you. And yada, yada, yada. Just all this screenplay gobbledygook because we can't yet tell the audience what's really happening because we need to wait till our exposition dump backstory flashback scene happens at the midway point of the movie that goes on and on and on. Mm-hmm. And she's probably thinking, I was in Batman Returns, and now I'm in this. You know, Tim Burton used to direct superhero movies. <laughs> now we have literally the director of Yes Man direct superhero movies. Like, it's just... <laughs> I, 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 you've made that joke before, I think, right? Well, yeah. like, it's too perfect it's that too the director easy. of Yes Man is working for Marvel Studios. Yep. Yeah. yeah, like, I'm usually not sympathetic when nerds complain about they ruined this character from the comics they changed this character from the comics because it's like you're adapting it like who cares but like when they make kane the conqueror is one note in the comics too but he's more fun because he's like you know he's a little 70s guy named kane the conqueror like he's just it's kind of fun modok is kind of fun and they just make them so in one case, you know, stupid and visually unpleasant. And in the other case, humorless. Like, there's just no... Something that I liked about Thanos was his weird, like, warped, I'm actually, like, a really good guy, if you get to know me. It's like, oh, you, like, it made him... It made him that much more of a compelling villain, because, like, he's Ron. He could just as easily snap his fingers and make more food. But he's a sociopath who's like, I will decide. <laughs> like, that's the thing. He's interesting to watch. And it's Josh Brolin. Yeah. Who's a better actor. But they take these colorful, wacky characters that Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko and and uh, other guys. <laughs> I can't name any others. <laughs> Those are the only three I know from Mar- Marvel. Yeah. yeah. I know there's other guys like Jerry Conway and... Chris Cantwell is, Chris, is a big X-Men Chris guy. Chris Claremont. Right? Yeah. Claremont, that's Simonsons. Right. There's like Walt Simonson and like Linda Simonson. Like all these writers and artists from the 60s, 70s, and into the 80s made all these like fun, wacky characters that resonated with people and like got adopted by different aspects of the culture. Like Doctor Strange was like a huge counterculture thing because it's like so trippy, man. Like X-Men has been adopted by marginalized groups because that's like what it's about. And they take all these characters and they make them so boring. (laughs) They don't look visually interesting and then their motivation isn't interesting. And this was like the most egregious example of that and the whole MCU of like your movie is called Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania and you've you're opting for the tone of like a Christopher Nolan movie and you're not doing a good job. Like you sir are no Christopher Nolan. Mm-hmm. Like I knew Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan was a friend of mine. <laughs> like <laughs> it's just it's really bad and the Marvel fans didn't like it either. And it's just sort of like, guys, this was bound to happen. Like, you can't just keep doing this for 15 years. Like, again, I go back to hubris. It's like, what did you think was the end of this journey? You can't just keep the the momentum and the excitement up for that long. People are going to get sick and tired of this stuff. And I think that's why this movie didn't do well is because people saw trailers for it or word of mouth. And people probably just said, like, yeah, it looked bad and it was bad. (laughs) Like, don't see it. It's about the Ant-Man guy. It's not about Captain America. It's not about Thor. It's not about Iron Man. It's not about this cool, I went to go see the Quantum Realm setting, but it was awful. (laughs) Yeah, it looks like Star Wars prequel level. Yeah. Gross. Yeah, just visually unappealing. They didn't have a lot of fun with it. It's like, what are the, are the humanoid characters down there? Are they humans? What are they? I don't get what we're doing here. I liked it when they were all just the wacky alien type things if they were all just kind of like that that would have been more fun i agree but you need a little bit more of a original creative 
set design in order to spark the interest, especially, yeah, like, oh my gosh, just, it's just so fundamentally wrong to have Ant-Man and his cast of characters be in this setting. It just does not work. This should be more of the cosmic stuff. Like you were saying, an Ant-Man movie should be in San Francisco (laughs) where he plans a heist. And if you want to do a father daughter storyline, that's great. And I like Catherine Newton a lot. I think she's underutilized. I think her character sucks too, but she's Cassie. Yeah. She's been very good in everything. She was in freaky. I don't know if you watched that. That movie was a lot of fun. That movie's a blast. Yep. A lot of fun. She's great in that. She was in the freaking Pokemon movie. I watched that. She was in detective Pikachu. Pikachu. (laughs) Yep. She's very good. And she's recently, Witherspoon's daughter on Big Little Lies. She's excellent in that. So she's already been in, she's in three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. There's a little Iron Man connection with Sam Rockwell. So she's had a great career. So when I saw she was cast and if they did the five-year, no, wait, was she dust or did she? She wasn't dust. She thought Scott was dust. She thought Scott was, but then they found, right. It's also been like four years since even that stuff happened or whatever. So I guess that's how you can get away with casting a slightly older actress. That that actually I thought was a pretty natural change for me, but just everything else about this movie was so, so wrong. And there was one moment that stood out for me where I think the studio slash filmmakers were even embarrassed with what they were trying to do. When they first get to the quantum realm, I think it's when Hank and Hope reunite. Mm-hmm. They have like, it's the start of that moment in this type of movie like in an avatar when it's like big establishing shot, look at this beautiful world. And there's like the sweeping musical score and they start looking around like, wow. And they hint at some big sweeping music. And then it's like, just cut. They like, they did it for like a second. Cause I think they recognize this doesn't have that look or feel that warrants like Kirk and yes. Kirk and Scotty going up to the Enterprise in Star Trek the Motion Picture. Like I think they were almost trying to do something like that, and then they recognized that it was ill advised. So at least that they probably saw in the cutting room and put it on the floor and said, No, 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 no. The last movie I had seen in a theater before Quantum Mania was Avatar, The Way of Water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like to go from that to, you know, a movie where it's just like where I'm just thinking like how did they do that water? <laughs> like, how does the water look so good? And then I'm watching this and it's just like, why doesn't anything look good? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, just a disappointment because I really like the five leads in this one, the family members, basically yeah, yeah, all good performers, but really they're all kind of wasted. The best stuff were the funny scenes at the beginning and the end of the movie with Paul Rudd, where they were utilizing his, you know, comedic bone that Paul Rudd is known for. Yeah. Just a miss. This might be the worst Marvel movie. I don't think we're having recency bias. No, it is. I think it definitely is. Like, I've seen people put The Dark World in that spot, Iron Man 2 in that spot, Incredible Hulk. It's like, oh, come on. Those movies are so much better than The Dark World. That's not the best looking movie. It's better than this. I know I'm biased. I'm, I love The Dark World. It's like my favorite movie ever. But um, it's just like, no, this is... Because it's just so, it's what these movies could have been this whole time. Like you said, they've never been exceptional one way or the other. But it's surprising how long they've not made a big turkey like this. I wonder if Kevin Feige is like playing less of a role. Because these last, what phase are we in? (laughs) So I believe this launched phase five. Oh, gross. Five. Right. I know. Four is the most fluid one inconsistent one it's the jeremy baramy of the phases i don't know where it starts or begins because infinity war endgame ends three i believe and then four is mostly comprised of the disney plus shows yes and then all these movies that have no like theme connective i forget about all those movies between spider-man far from home and spider-man no way home there's like all these movies in between i was looking the other day i'm like oh that's right like eternals <laughs> shang chi black in widow legend, yeah well that's the other thing things. it's like they those yeah. movies haven't really connected black widow is essentially a prequel yes it goes back in time and it doesn't really add anything and shang chi is its own new world that hasn't yet come into anything else And same with the Eternals. They've not brought those characters in yet. So there's all these like 
phase four is definitely the most at one point we were you and i were almost praising it which i still stand by to a degree of them being isolated self-contained stories and movies which was refreshing but at the same time they weren't very good movies no and then all these tv shows it's like what's moon knight's role in all this like what's moon knight (sighs) did you you never i told you i think i scared you off of moon knight i don't know if you ever watched that piece of shit that sucks so hard no all i know is that i saw that it was about trauma and it was about dealing with mental health and i thought no it's not Mm -hmm, it's a big mm -hmm, piece of shit mm -hmm. on disney plus yeah sir i know depression depression's a good friend of mine you (laughs) sir are no depression (laughs) let me tell you i could have been a consultant on this show if you wanted to make it what you were actually i love oscar isaac i mean i love oh yeah but when i saw that I'm like, I'm not watching the fake Batman show about mental health. Like, get the fuck out of here. (laughs) (laughs) That was like the nail in the car. You and I say this all the time about Star Wars. We say, oh, we're not going to watch it. We're not going to watch it. We just had our little Watchmen opening in the May 4th episode. (laughs) I have actually not watched several of the Marvel shows now. I might not ever watch them. I have not watched Miss Marvel. I have not watched She-Hulk. Yes, it's because they're both female-led TV shows, so I refuse to watch them because I hate women as a Marvel and Star Wars fan, but uh, <laughs> I've just been kind of like, eh. I haven't even watched the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special that James Gunn wrote and directed. I have not even watched that. I just look at Disney Plus like, I don't know what to make of this anymore. All this. There's too much. There's too There's much. There's too much. And people people are sick of it. They don't know that they're sick of it, but they are. Like we predicted, who on earth has talked about Avatar The Way of Water? Absolutely nobody. And yet everyone saw it. So it's like a movie closer. I think it even came out. It didn't come out the same weekend, but it came out soon after. Didn't Creed Three come out and then completely like, trounce ant-man and the wasp at the box office yeah it came out in march and i know it did really well initially so yeah i, yeah, I people, think it did come people, out right after yeah people you know dungeons and dragons like people flock to go see the dungeons and it's just something they're sick of seeing the same group of people standing on a green screen ready to fight Wizrow. <laughs> like it's just like <laughs> they're sick of it they want something else people flock to go see a Mario movie and it's probably not like a, this like movie of searing creative vision but it's probably a lot to do with that is like well it just is different looking it doesn't look like all this shit we've been watching for 15 years yeah and Marvel movies used to look different we've talked about this mm-hmm. before they used to hire Kenneth Branagh and Joe Johnston and John Favreau they would each connect to other things but you could tell which one you were watching now it's like, who knows which one you're watching? You know, like, it seems like they've got, at least in that first stretch, you knew like, okay, they're building up to the Infinity Gauntlet and Thanos. That's, I get it. Like, end of the first Avengers. Our big villain is the big purple guy who has the power gems. This one, it's like, wait, which is it? Is it the multiverse? Is it Kane the Conqueror? Or is it, what are those aliens that pretend to be other people? Like, which, what's the threat? Oh, the Kree? No, the Kree is um, oh. the, are the blue people from Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, the um, the scrolls, the, crawl, the scrolls, the, the scrolls. It's like okay. there's so many different threats. It's like, it, or is it the things from from Eternals? Like, oh, the is um, it the Deviants, the, uh, the Celestials, yeah. Which I like, watched Guardians of the Galaxy, getting ready for the third one, and I completely forgot there nowhere is inside the head of a dead celestial <laughs> which i so at yes. the time i must have just been like okay whatever that means and then eternals it's like oh now i know what a celestial is okay they're like okay yeah. interesting in the old days yes it was all over the place yes they were all basically you know fine but you were like okay i get it we're building to the big purple guy got it that's the threat it was it was like simpler they weren't simple at all but it, now it's just like they're just throwing stuff at the wall and they're saying, what'll work? What'll get you guys, what'll get you pigs to the trough? And it's like, we want better swill. <laughs> That's what'll get us to the trough. Yeah. Feed us better shit. <laughs> Which I'm hoping was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I'll find out a week or so. Yeah. Much to discuss then. Because, yeah, Danny, we were talking about it. Not only will we talk about that, we'll have to inevitably talk about 
James Gunn now being the head of DC Studios. So very interesting. The genre remains interesting, if not from the content of the film's perspective, then from the behind the scenes and business of it all perspective. Yeah, it's interesting. But just the idea that like Martin Scorsese is supposed to watch Quantumania and be like, okay, I misspoke. Like, no, off. yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> this this doesn't look like something a child, you know, just scribbles on a piece of paper. That that it, this is much more sophisticated than that. Yeah, just nonsense, absolute nonsense. I think it's our same Marvel deal as always. If you're pot committed at this point, you got to watch Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania. But if you're just like a casual, you check in and see some of these movies here or there. I would for sure skip this one. I yes. was happy that I did not go see it in a theater. I was happy that I just waited and watched it on Disney Plus because I was not missing anything. And again, I did not hate it. I was just amazed at how ill-advised it was and how ugly it was to look at with, of course, the exception of Michelle Pfeiffer. (laughs) She is, as always, gorgeous. A timeless timeless beauty. I agree with that completely. Like I said, yeah, if you're already this far in, might as well keep going. It's like what I tell people about the a Son of Ice and Fire books. It's like, if you haven't read them now, don't start reading them. Like, they're never going to finish. But if you've already read the five books, like, yeah, come wait with everybody else for the sixth one. Like, if you've been skipping all the latest Marvel stuff, skip this one as well. <laughs> yes. Yep, that would be our advice. But Black Panther Wakanda Forever, yeah, a, a lighthearted recommendation, but that was a good... Yes. It was a good movie. It was not a great movie. It was... Just a good old time that I recommend ultimately, if not for anything else other than the yes. score and the the costume design. Those are the two items that popped for me the most. Agreed. So thank you very much for listening. And we will be back soon with Guardians of the Galaxy talk, DC movie talk, all kinds of things. So tune in. Excelsior. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Be a good advisor Never ever vicious And turn